For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio. That's every single weeknight on their Nothing But Net channel at 7 p.m. Also check out Five Reasons YouTube before floor, an hour before every heat game. Post up 5R as soon as the buzzer sounds. Just got to 15,000 subscribers, so we appreciate you for that. Also, FiveReasonsSports.com, where you can get the latest articles from brady hawk who's going to be with us today among others without a paywall and check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network and that includes the official sponsor of brady's appearances here on the program that's our friend eric rubenstein this is the attorney that you want to go to if you got any kind of personal injury issues whether it's medical malpractice a car accident he will help you get what you deserve you can reach out to eric at 954-829-ERIC, that's the way that Eric is typically spelled, not the way that the Heat coach spells it, 954-829-ERIC, or at I want to be your lawyer on Instagram. Eric is a graduate, St. Thomas University, right down here in Miami, graduated magna cum laude, smart guy, huge Miami Heat fan as well. You can find him often at the games, and he sponsors a lot of what we do on Instagram as well. So reach out to Eric. Again, it's 954-829-ERIC. And now, today's episode. Down Five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor plan, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop with one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I've got Brady Hawk. As I mentioned, you can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. I've got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. And we've got a special guest today. You can find him on Twitter at B-Ball Breakdown. Of course, you can find him at his YouTube channel, which is extraordinarily popular. I think he was on my podcast way, 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 way back in the day, but it's been it's been some time. He is Coach Nick. We're just going to call him that here for the duration of the episode, unless he, he wants something else. Nick, thanks for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. I've been called worse. <laughs> so have I. All right, so let's get to it. We're going to split this episode into two parts, and I'm just running point today. I am not... Uh, I'm not the strategy guy. I do a little, but I'm more the narrative guy. I'm more the insider guy. So we more Kyle or Goran. Uh, no, I'm not Goran. Goran. Goran was not a, it was not a playmaker for others as much. It was more so for himself. I'm just sort of bringing the ball up to half court. I'm going to let others run the sets here. So we've got Brady. We've got Alex. We're going to divide this into offense and defense. And what we're going to get into is ways that the heat a can kind of overcome the absence of Bam Adebayo for now. And Jimmy Butler for the time being, and then what they may look like when they're totally whole. So I'm going to let Brady start here uh, for Coach Nick. We got some questions in here on Twitter, which I might try to get for Nick also. 
But Brady, let's get into one thing on offense that you wanted to ask Nick today. Yeah, once again, thank you for coming on. Uh, one of the things we've seen recently with Jimmy Bam and Markeef as well were playing is they would insert it into the mid post, and that was kind of their way of getting into certain actions. And they would kind of go from there. Without those three guys, there really hasn't been another guy. They go to PJ once in a while, but it's not the same thing. Uh, Kyle here and there. But the new thing we've seen, they kind of go to the elbow extended or go out to the wing three and kind of go into handoffs there, back cuts. Just I'm just wondering, for this time being, for the next, let's say, month or, month or two without these guys, what is an alternative? Like, what do you think they can work in there in that way where they can go to and kind of create offense that's not just constant perimeter play? You know, it's a great point. And what's funny is I kind of like – you know, a lot of perimeter play. I like what they do because they, they still have the same foundation of uh, hitting the high post or, and then, you know, multiple cutters all at the same time with handoffs, with flare cuts, with all sorts of things to try and get an advantage on the perimeter and then break that, that down on a drive. So the guy that stood out to me was Caleb Martin was doing very nicely. Uh, first of all, just scorching the nets from three. And again, he's benefiting from all of that motion and all like his man having to think he needs to rotate down to help on cutters. And uh, so catch and shoot shots for him. I think in the last seven games, he was over 50% from three, uh, but it wasn't just that. And by the way, he was, he had doubled his average pretty much uh, per game while he was getting a lot more minutes since Bam went down. But of course, uh, you know, he's now in COVID uh, protocols and that's a real, that's a real blow. They needed him that kind of scoring because again, it looks to me like Kyle Lowry just has to do a lot of work. And he is, you know, it, toward the more toward the end of his career than he is in the beginning. And he tends to be best anyway when he's got somebody else who can also help create and be that way. I was actually at the, I want to say the Clippers, yeah, it was Clippers Heat, whenever that was, what is time? Um, you know, I was here in LA when that happened, probably like what, three weeks ago or something like that. And um, and he was sort of out of it for a lot of the game. But then when he finally said, OK, I'm going to take over, he was absolutely dominating. But there were such hard shots. And a lot of the shots he has to take are so difficult that I, I would not want to hang my offensive uh, you know, uh, philosophy on those kind of things. So they definitely need to get Caleb Martin back. He really, really helped. Uh, and then the other thing what I noticed going through a lot of clips just now was um, they actually were turning the ball over. Uh, a lot more than almost any other team since Bam uh, went down. And when you look at like who is the culprit there, it was Tyler Hero. And I'm not making this up. This is obviously, you know, Eric uh, Smolter sees this too, which is probably why he's not starting anymore. And they brought Gabe Vincent in. Uh, if you look at the the turnovers of him, there, there are every manner of, of bad turnover you can imagine, driving the ball, trying to kick, uh, you know, just making a high post pass, throwing that away, uh, kicking the ball on offense, like all sorts of weird stuff that you that you would have to imagine would, would straighten out. But, you know, him being in his third year, that, that's the kind of thing that I would have saw in a first year player more so. So I touched on a lot of different things, but if you want to dive in, we can. Uh, let's let's go from there. But, uh, you know, I, those are the overall things I've kind of noticed so far. Alex, uh, I'm going to let you uh, bring in your first point here for Nick. So it's interesting what you talk about. I could tell you've been really going through the clips because you, you talk about Caleb Martin and his impact, which is obviously just a, I mean, none of us coming into the season, you know, would have expected us to be talking about Caleb Martin being so important to this Heat team. But that's what happens when you have guys coming in and out of the lineups, right? And by the way, been watching your stuff since I was like in high school. So it's a little, a little bit 
surreal right now seeing you on this. <laughs> so anyway, it's interesting because like you mentioned there, Kyle and Tyler, without Jimmy and Bam, they're on a night-to-night basis, are just being asked to do a lot more than they are with those guys there. And that's an obvious thing to say, but I think that's why they keep getting these inconsistent results. And although it's like they've been asked to kind of change the structure of their team, without those guys, they've been launching a lot more from three, like Brady went into. They're not, you know, running a lot of stuff out of the mid post anymore, even though they've turned PJ into like a mini Bam with him out so you know all that stuff is cool and creative and good and they've managed to stay in the top 10 in offensive rating despite all this time without their two best players which I think has been kind of surprising right because going into the season all of us were saying they were going to be stronger on defense than offense right and uh, just by the numbers they've kind of been stronger on offense throughout the whole season and I think that's uh, interesting to me and since we're going to stick to offense here I wanted to kind of go in a more general sense here when this team is healthy do you think not only is it a championship offense or is this just like a, a regular season thing? They're figuring things out. They have a lot of ways they can do stuff, but it's stuff that can get minimized in their playoffs. Or is it the other hand, is it they have so many ways that they can make things happen that it's a strength in the playoffs? Well, you know, they if they had Jimmy back and, they, and like you said, they're all healthy then, yeah, they are very, very tough because, again, then they're going to have a very tough defense with a lot of guys who now have experience that wouldn't have had experience had they been healthy. So that would all translate into something really good. It's going to be tough to figure out what's happening. I mean, I mean, Cleveland, are they as really as good as they are? And is that going to be a thing? Because they just beat the Heat. You know, I know the Heat are shorthanded, but it's going to be tough to figure out exactly what happens once you get into those teams that are, you know, anywhere between three and, and six and seven. It's it, That's going to be a tough one to predict, especially now. But I will say, you know, there is a lot of uh, NBA Finals experience left on that team. If you have them all healthy, though, uh, which is a big, big if, then, yeah, they should they should challenge for, like, the, the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I just worried because Jimmy, you know, I think at this point in his career, we have to sort of say that he isn't necessarily reliable, right? He tends to just be broken down a lot of the time um, when he wasn't, they got to the finals. But like since then, it's been it's been rough to look at those the games that he's missed and how many there are. So I don't know. I worry about that. But, you know, there are elements. And if they are healthy and they can figure that out, then, yes, they should they should definitely uh, compete to get to that, you know, the conference finals for sure. It's interesting you mentioned, Jimmy, because I actually tweeted about that today, because down in South Florida, there is all this criticism of Tua for never being available. And actually, Tua is probably going to play a higher percentage of his team's games this year than Jimmy Butler will. And, And that was the same last year also. So I, I just think when people talk about Jimmy's minutes and he's played so many minutes over the course of his career, but he really hasn't because he, he typically misses 15 games a season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hasn't other than the finals with the heat and one year with Chicago, hasn't really had a lot of deep playoff runs. So actually his overall minutes for his career, even though Tibbs obviously used him quite a bit when he did play are not as high as you would think. All right, Brady, you're next. Yeah. I just want to ask about something more specific. You touched on Tyler a little bit and brought up Cleveland. I think Cleveland's just an interesting matchup anyways, because they're just such a unique team overall that there aren't many teams that are going to have that type of defense against a guy like that. Uh, but we've seen Tyler come into the league and he was kind of a drop killer where he was able to kind of find his spots in the mid range and go against drop coverage this season. He's been able to figure things out against switches. They've been doubling him a ton because you mentioned without Jimmy and bam, he's going to see a bunch of attention. The one thing that it seems like he cannot really figure out that kind of bothers him a little bit is the length when he has a Lori marketing on him or when he has an Evan Mobley on him, there just seems to be some things uh, wrong there offensively. It seems like his one area of separation that he can get to 
is his high release point where so many guys guard him. He can rise up over the top of him and you just kill. He really can't rise over the top of an Evan Mobley or Jared Allen or Laurie Markman. So I'm just wondering, is there a way, what is the avenue for him to get to? If you're looking at Tyler specifically, when they start, maybe teams start throwing a versatile big on him to see how he responds. What is an avenue you think he can get to to kind of combat that, that type of coverage? Well, you know, I can't say that, oh, he shouldn't be so aggressive and act that role of like, I'm going to ISO on a mismatch because he has done it. It's not like you can say, because, you know, I know he's been public about where he th- perceives himself in the hierarchy of, you know, that year's um, that the NBA rookie, not sorry, the NBA class that he was, he came out of. Um, but to me, it's like, he's kind of forcing things. He's probably, you know, he's doing like too much. So I think he's stuck between roles where obviously his optimal role is when he can play off of the guy, especially like Bam. I think Bam is huge for that. But now that he's got to create a little bit more, that that's where we're seeing these weird, these turnovers are really a problem. His handle is, is definitely not as tight as it needs to be in my mind. Um, I've always wondered about his, his two, the, sort of a two-motion high-release shot. You said it's not always easy to be a, a really good shooter that way, although it's not always two-motion. The release isn't, isn't always like way over the head and a high-release like that. And that's the other thing. It's not exactly um, consistent all the time. So it's always gotten me scratching my head. Like I've seen him go on runs where he gets red hot and doesn't miss a shot. And then we'll see him go on runs where he doesn't hit as many shots either. I think he's at like 32% since Bam went down from three. So um, that, that's my, the inconsistency of the mechanics make me a little bit worried. Uh, however, going forward, what you can almost guarantee to a player is that they do improve their three-point percentage going, you know, from the you know, beginning of their career toward the end of their career. And so part of that is just over enough time, some of that consistency does come in with the release. He figures it out. His body shows him how to do it right. So I would think that that would happen. That might not happen this year, but uh, the bottom line is I, he needs – a healthy team for him to be as best as he possibly can be. I don't think he can handle uh, a, a role that he has like now, for instance, with that many guys out, will it be better with Butler in? Yes. And not bam. And then will it be better with bam and Butler? like, yeah, even better. So that's really what they got to concentrate on. That's how this is an interesting insight into how teams work, where a lot of times guys will have, will struggle just because somebody else is out and the lineups aren't working well enough for them. I've been trying to do a lot of advanced analytics actually with this, to try and be able to get to be to be better at looking at lineups to figure out why certain players play better. And I, I guarantee you a lot of it's going to end up being like the coaches needing to solve the lineup, you know, puzzle a lot better than they do. I don't know. I know Spolster, I'm sure it studies it, you know, with a fine, the very, you know, a really strong microscope, but I think a lot of coaches don't necessarily look at di- lineup data enough. And so as a result, they're throwing out these five man lineups that don't necessarily work and they let them play together way too long. That's an interesting take from you. I was already ready to go into my, another question and I just got lost into that one. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, but really, you went into Tyler there and just kind of his limitations and and how much, I think we're all on the same page when it comes to just how much he misses having Jimmy and Bam out there, how much the team misses, including Kyle Lowry, right? Uh, the rim pressure that those guys add and just the, the constant attacking, even though we all want more from Bam as an attacker, we know what Jimmy is in that aspect of his game, but they... I mean, Jimmy is number one in free in uh, free throw rate. Last time I checked, Bam is I, I think was getting five, six free throw attempts a game, if I remember correctly. Uh, so they're missing that stuff a lot. They're constantly losing in that aspect of the game. But I wanted to ask you again, when they're healthy, uh, I know we're kind of going back and forth a little bit because I just wanted to talk about more the healthy version of this team because I think that's more where the the real concerns lie. We saw a good amount of it. They looked really good. Um, the real question I think was the team against switching defenses, right? I think 
you mentioned that Clippers game, right? That was the game where Lowry turned it up in the fourth quarter and was able to get a bucket almost every time. And that happened because he was attacking the Clippers big man uh, off a screen pretty much every single time. And he's kind of figured out at this point of his career that he's not just going to go for the blow by on most guards. He's usually trying to set people up and run the offense and play his game and, you know, kind of make everybody else better. Uh, and in situations like this, he's asked to do more uh, with Jimmy and Bam out. So when they're healthy, uh, Kyle knows that he can attack slower bigs like that. Jimmy knows that he's going to, you know, they're going to set up the guard screen and he's going to get the smaller guy on him and he's going to get to work in the mid post. Uh, Bam hasn't figured out the solution, I think, yet to switching defenses. He hasn't gotten good enough at uh, beating the smaller guy in the post. It's never been his game. Like he, he, he's good passing out of a double and he, he's like, he likes to wait for that double. But one-on-one, I feel like he hasn't punished it enough. And then you talk about Tyler, like we just did right there. I don't know that he's figured out the switching stuff yet. I think he's confident his game has a lot of different ways that he can attack. But I think this team has figured out the drops. Like they have a lot of different ways that they can attack it, including Duncan. He always goes off against the slow bigs. Um, Do you think this team is slated to figure that part out as the season goes on? Do you think that's something they get better at or they just kind of are what they are? Well, that's a great point. Uh, what you said about Bam, uh, you know, what troubles me, because I love how he plays defensively. He's absolutely fantastic passing on the high post. Beautiful. Uh, he actually can, I, I've seen him shoot, you know, 15 feet from out from the basket and like, you know, can knock it down a jumper. What he's not improved on as far as I can tell at all is put low post play. And that's going to be an, op- an opportunity for him when they do the switches and he can roll and get the low post position. And I don't understand why that hasn't gotten better in the last two years. And so I don't know what he's doing uh, off season to train, but it's not working. He needs to get that better. That ultimately could be the downfall because they would need to be able to take advantage of those things. When he gets down there, his footwork isn't great. He doesn't finish well down there. He isn't, uh, you know, isn't huge. So it's tough if there are guys around that can't bother a shot down there, but it seems to me there are moments when like, as the, as the offense gets bogged down. And by the way, the thing they have to be really worried about, is that the referees are allowing a lot more contact this year, which I think everyone is really excited about because, A, it helps the Heat defense without question, but these offensive players are struggling with this, and as a result, they're going to bog down a lot of this movement, and when that happens, you need to be able to have a guy who's got some presence down low. Jimmy will help that, and so will Kyle um, when they come back, and even like Morris can be aggressive on that kind of stuff too in in not as, as reliable way, but um, you know, those are the other guys who are going to really, really end up struggling with this with finishing. And Bam would be the one guy who would get a lot of opportunities um, if he could do it more. And so I feel like, yeah, that's the one thing I wish he'd, he'd improve even more. And, you know, in, in one offseason, he should be able to do that. And it hasn't happened yet. So I'm a little bit. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm a little concerned about that individually for him. I feel like he needs some time with Akeem. I got one quick one for you, uh, and then we're going to pivot here to defense with the guys, but it's kind of the Duncan Robinson question, which we haven't talked about a lot that there's been a big push here in Miami because he has not shot the ball as well as he did the past couple of years, particularly at home where, where we feel that might be more of a mental thing. Maybe that's the contract who knows, but let me just put it to you this way. 
there's been a push among Heat fans, get him out of the starting lineup because it's not, you know, he doesn't contribute enough in other ways if he's not shooting well. And then, of course, there are those who say, well, the gravity matters, particularly with Jimmy and Bam. Um, and eventually this will normalize and Duncan will get back to the numbers that he was at before. Uh, how do you see it? I mean, uh, you know what they have on the rest of their roster when they're healthy. Do you see Hero as a possible starting lineup fit instead or Oladipo or maybe even Max Struess, maybe even Caleb Martin? I mean, or, or would you at this point say, it, it's Duncan. We're going to ride this. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, I would probably argue when you're talking about health wise and fit in a starting lineup, Duncan is the guy that fits the best amongst, you know, hero or, or, you know, anybody else. Uh, so I, I think that, yes, it, it, whatever I said about Tyler hero and now his role changes when the other guys are healthy, just erase that and put in Duncan Robinson too. Like, yeah, all those threes that he'll get are much more open than when they are now because there's not a lot of, as much gravity around the players he's playing alongside. That's another tough one. So, you know, I don't think he would, if they want to take him out of the starting lineup so he would play better or shoot better now, I don't think that wouldn't change. I think he'll be the same as he is now as he is, as he is, as he would be off the bench. I think, you know, if you put, if you get healthy, then he will play better. And then all of a sudden that makes everybody else better too. So I would probably leave him there defensively. I think he's fine. Um, you know, as far as how he plays position, he doesn't get out of position too often. He can get a hand up. Uh, he doesn't necessarily make many plays on that end, but um, you know, I, I, so anyway, to, to answer your question directly or, you know, succinctly, it would be at yeah, leave Robinson in the, in the starting lineup, let the shooter keep continue his rhythm uh, and just know that it, he will shoot shoot better um, once they get healthy. I, I can almost guarantee that. All right. We're going to get to defense here in a second. Alex and Brady are going to have one each uh, for Nick. And we'll start with Alex this time. Before we do, I want to tell you about a couple of great sponsors of the five reasons sports network. We use the same code for each. If you're looking for premium CBD, that's therapist preferred. Again, the code is five RSN, get your tincture, get your gummies, uh, get, get your sports cream, sleep better, recover better from your workouts, go to therapistpreferred.com. Again, the code is five RSN and for all your grooming products, not just the razors, but also of course the colognes, deodorants, everything else that they sell, go to manscape.com, same code five RSN. And again, for that one, it's 20% off. So therapistpreferred.com, manscape.com, use the code five RSN. All right, let's get to defense. As Alex said, this was supposed to be a better defensive team than an offensive team coming to the season. And I think they were showing that when they were healthy with Bam and Jimmy, obviously it's been a little bit more inconsistent with those guys in and out. Uh, Alex go. So I think it's interesting. Like you said, that we all expected this team to be a powerhouse defense. They've been very good, right? Especially when, when they were healthy, they've been very good. But I think, uh, it's been interesting, like I mentioned earlier, that it's kind of been the other way around their offense, despite all the up and down stuff, especially with the shooting of Kyle and Duncan, just not having come around until just recently. I think it's interesting that the the profile has been like that, right? But defensively, I think this team can do a lot, right? That's something that uh, Spo has been obviously uh, doing for years. He's been doing all types of stuff when it comes to zoning, blitzing, and now uh, he went from dropping a couple seasons back to switching, uh, you know, from the beginning of the bubble and then kind of never relenting from it ever since until the Bam and, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bam and Jimmy stuff where having Deadman start there, they've kind of gone back to a drop whenever they're not blitzing the pick and roll. You know, they went a little bit away from the zone, even though they were doing that with some of those smaller bench lineups. Uh, so we've seen that this team can and will execute just about anything on defense and 
kind of in a similar light to what I was talking about before on offense, I think that's something that's going to be useful for them in the playoffs where, you know, when they go about against just about anybody, they have a lot of things that they can throw out there. And because of uh, speaking of up and down, I feel like the East has been up and down, even though it's been really strong this year, specifically at the top, right? We know what's going on with Brooklyn and, and them missing their third superstar. Harden has kind of come back around. Uh, the free throw attempts are starting to come back up. He's obviously still not, I feel like, playing at his 100% self. Uh, but then you've got the Bucks, right, who are obviously still really good. They swept the Heat last season, still are a big team, even though they lost P.J., even though they lost Brooke Lopez and don't know when he will be back coming off a of back surgery as a seven-footer, which is not great for them. So it just feels like this is the type of season where the Heat can, just like they did in 2020, kind of sneak back in there towards the top, right? And it's like, I feel like they have a shot against most of these teams and a, and a good shot because of the way that things have played out in the season. Which of these matchups, because I, I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but this is what I want to get into with you. Which of these matchups for the uh, specifically for the Heat would scare you the most? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think that they're kind of, um, you know, because they, they're prepared so well and the coaching staff is so good that I, I suspect they're going to have like the, a similar chance against a lot of these teams, uh, you know, and, and they're all sort of bunched up because, I mean, listen, Philly, like how are they, they going to stop Embiid, right, and, and that, whole, that whole onslaught. Uh, the Bulls are really good, and we have to mention them. They, they're really going to end up, you know, causing a lot of problems for this for the East, uh, you know, and so those are the, those are the teams I would be most worried about. Now the Nets, they don't, I watch the Nets now. And I, I don't, I know that uh, KD is just absolutely dis destroying team. He's shooting like un ungodly uh, high percentages everywhere, but I don't get, um, I don't get like the, the, they're, they're impossible to beat. You know, they, they don't feel like they're that team right now. And obviously because of Kyrie is not there. So if I had a look at it and if the Bucks again, also don't do that, Giannis is not like putting them on his back and like just carrying them to wins enough for my taste. So yeah, there's an opening here. I would be worried about Philly though. That would be a, a matchup. I don't, I, I would think that'd be troubling for them. And again, the bulls would also be, I, I think, you know, they've got um, Vucevic could go down low and, you know, bam is terrific, but he could easily get overpowered to some degree down there uh, with the way they run their offense through him in the mid post. And then plus, you know, they have a lot of firepower, you know, they're gonna have to deal with all the mid range stuff from, you know, um, DeMar DeRozan and they got Zach Levine and then Lonzo ball and then Caruso. So that, that team, I, I think might end up being the one team, the wild card here that they really would be afraid of, uh, you know, aside from, you know, the other, the usual suspects at the top of the Eastern conference. Brady jump in. Yeah. And just more specifically, just from what we've seen this, this season for Miami defensively, obviously early on when Bam was playing, we saw a lot of switching. We saw a lot of over soft switching, which kind of angered some heat fans because they would swing the ball around and a big would have their guard on his back time and time again. But ever since they've been without Bam, as Alex mentioned before, it's been, you know, some zone, it's been a lot of drop. Uh, and something we've seen recently is they're doing a lot more blitzing and recovering and it's kind of worked. Like Miami hasn't been that terrible of a defensive team. They kind of held their ground on that end with what they have with, you know, Dwayne Denman and Omar Yurtsman, just some true bigs that are slower bigs. I guess I'm wondering, just looking ahead when Bam returns, do you feel like this could be an alternative for Bam as well when he returns? Like instead of just straight switching, you know, every time he's out there that they can mix in some drop, that they can mix, mix in some blitzing because as much as we see the recovering working with a guy like Omer Yurtsevin, Bam Adebayo is probably three times his speed and could probably recover at a much faster speed than he can. So I'm just wondering how much can that open things up defensively if you have Bam uh, in a wide open playbook where you can kind of use him in all those different you know, schemes? 
Well, you know, for me, I, the more kind of defenses you play, the better, the more confusing it is for the offense. So I would love to see every manner of different versions they can do it. And, you know, you're going to want to drop sometimes if it's a rim runner who's screening the ball to be able to contain that better. Uh, you, but you also keep the the, uh, the point guard guessing because sometimes teams won't, won't blitz at all. And I love the fact that you can and keep them on their toes. They never know when they're going to do it as long as they, whatever the call is, is, you know, obscured enough so they don't hear it first. Uh, so that's really important. Zone is a huge thing that there still people are not playing enough of. It's frustrating. We're watching teams like the Warriors really push it too. They're playing a one-two two now and they do box and one so we need to see a lot more zone and i think by the way once you know with bam in there anchoring a zone they would be you know they're terrific that way so i would love to see a lot more of that as well uh you know the one thing I, that jumped out because you know the heat in the last seven games since bam went down are 14th in uh defensive rating mm -hmm. since then um but you know the one thing that that uh, grabbed my attention was that they changed the starting lineup and they, they put Gabe Vincent in the starting lineup for a couple games. And that meant that Tyler Hero went to the bench, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and that's had a pretty significant impact. Uh, in fact, if you look at that five, the five-man lineups, the top two most played by the uh, the Heat, uh, where did that lineups go? Here we go. So the most played lineup they have uh, in the last seven games is, you know, the, the Lowry, Tucker, Deadman, Robinson, Hero lineup. Uh, but the defensive rating is 126.7, which is like would be the worst of all time by far. You replace Hero with Vincent, and all of a sudden, you know what the rating is? 74.6. And that <laughs> net rating of that lineup, and they played, you know, 31 minutes across five games is thir plus 35. So that's, I mean, amazing. You stick one player who's not even like that offensive of a player, right, Vincent. Uh, and I tried to study. I, I just kind of curious. I'm going to hijack this for a second because I we got it's, let's have Gabe Vincent hour. Um, I'm like, how is it possible that one guy changing one person the lineup like that can like literally drive the defensive rating down? You know, uh, 50 points. It just seemed hard to believe. You know, and it, it, it's not a, really that apparent. Like, okay, Vincent does get around screens better, and he certainly tries. He's trying to contest every chance he gets. You tell me, does it feel to you like Hero doesn't try on defense like that? No, I I, I think he tries. I just think his limitations show up. And, and I, I do think, I mean, I, I think the eye test and the numbers match here with the Vincent stuff because you can just see, and particularly when Vincent's playing with Caleb, I, they, they, they seem to have this synergy defensively. Um, and that in some ways has replaced some of what they don't have with Jimmy and Bam because they're attacking at the point of attack, uh, you know, sometimes, and, and they're still not allowing teams to get into the paint uh, as much, but it, it yeah, it, no, it's, it's pretty clear. And again, that is another reason why I'm not on the Tyler hero starting bandwagon, because I, I, I feel like the role that he has is ideal for him right now. He's basically asked to come in and do one thing, which is carry the scoring load for the second unit. And then when they can, when they do have Jimmy or bam, they, they can stagger them to at least get Tyler out there with one or both of them. Uh, but the problem is even when you're starting Tyler, his role was going to change in the starting lineup offensively uh, in a way that I don't think is necessarily positive. And then, like you said, they suffer some defensively. So I, I I'm fine with Tyler coming off the bench. It's not just because I bet on him for six man of the year, uh, Nick, I'm going to, although that's hard. <laughs> uh, I, Nick, I want to close with you here with one thing. And we appreciate you taking the time. I, I will do, I'll give you a couple of rapid fire here before we close one. If he's 80% healthy, 80% of what he was, how much does Victor Oladipo add to this team? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, how much does he help? I mean, he helps. He's he 80. I mean, it wasn't 80% of Victor Oladipo. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. Is it better than like Gabe Vincent? 
offensively. Yeah. So yeah, you know, he would help. He, he could help more than what they already have. I mean, I don't know about disrupting the chemistry and all that kind of stuff and how that works uh, with him, but uh, yeah, the, he could help. Okay. Uh, here's another one for you. We, we've kind of talked around this the entire show. We've gotten into it a little bit, uh, but the heat's upside uh, in, in a, and I, I know some of this is matchup dependent, obviously, but the heat's upside. I mean, do you look at this team and say when con- as, as constituted fully, let's, let's say the Oladipo backs 80%. Let's say that Kyle and PJ Tucker, who we haven't talked about a lot, but he's been great, uh, you know, are, are healthy going into the playoffs. It, 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 does this look to you like a team that is a championship type contender? Or is this a team that Pat's going to have to do another reshuffling to, you know, either at the trade deadline, which is difficult this year or, or in the offseason? Well, the only sense you, you'd say you want to reshuffle is if you want to get rid of Jimmy because you just, he's not reliable and to stay on the court and stay healthy. Right. I mean, that's the one thing, because Jimmy has finals experience. Kyle has title experience. Tucker has title experience. Um, you know, the other Robinson hero, th- those guys do. So there's enough there to show that, like, OK, these guys know how to get to that level and, and perform at that level. So that's that's good. Lowry, you know, we keep thinking, you know, that he's at the end of his career. And how can he con- continue to play like he is? But he does. Uh, but he can't possibly have more than another. I would say like next year would probably be the last year we see him be really effective. I, I think I just feel like he's been around for so long now. So that's the one thing they have to keep their eye on because everyone else is in a pretty good age to, generally to keep around for several more years. Um, but uh, yeah, the, tra- the trajectory they have now is good. And I, and I love it when you can bring in guys like Caleb Martin who can really, you know, excel because the Heat's infrastructure does so well with developing players. So that's the other thing that Riley can, you know, fall back on and know that they have in their back pocket. So I think right now that, that the, the biggest question would be is, yeah, do you want to ride with a couple of these guys that seem to get injured all the time? And if not, um, and that's a thing that Riley could look at. And I would, I would not be surprised if he said, you know, we want to move around, move on from this, but as it is now, except for Kyle Lowry, who I think is, you know, toward the end of this uh, run here, uh, they have a good trajectory for where they want to go and, and maintain, you know, uh, the kind of competition where they could, they could get to the conference finals uh, year in and year out. Final one is Casey Akpala an NBA player in your view. Like is do you who? Casey Akpala. I mean, and I, when I, that's I the mean, right answer. No. And I mean by that, he has shown some signs lately. We kind of written him off, but he has shown some signs where he can contribute. I'm just curious. I mean, I know Riley loved him in the draft, so we we're, we're still looking for it. How does he project in like two, three, four, four years from now? Well, now you get to me the point where um, I studied a lot of this film and I didn't get a chance to look at him. Uh, and I'm not going to do that thing where I'm going to pretend like I know what I'm talking about while we I'm slowly trying that. to look up some random stats. So uh, I don't know. I got to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to admit uh, ignorance here. I, I, cause I, I, I want to make sure, obviously I've seen a few minutes, even when I was at, you know, in the at Staples watching it, but like, uh, I would not want to comment on anything intelligently without like going through two, 300 clips of him. So, uh, apologies, uh, have me back on and I'll give you a full breakdown I, on him. We're not, a where did he finish the season? Where did he finish the season? If you had to just guess your best guess. Well, probably. Let's see. Right now, they're fifth. Um, again, no, I'm in the playoffs. My bad. Oh, where they? How? Oh, how do they? How far do they get in the playoffs? I mean, again, okay. Let's just pretend that they're healthy because that's a nice way to pretend. Um, Love it. Hmm. Well, I think that they. Um, that's an interesting question. Let, let, let's <sighs> assume everyone is healthy, which is difficult. But let's assume even that Kyrie is back, which is the, yeah. the di- most difficult one to project. Oh, and and I, I, the one thing we can't project is what Philly looks like because we we don't know what they're going to do with Ben, but let, let, let's say current rosters. Well, we know the second. sixes aren't a real threat. Right. Well, well, I, I, I know, I know they'll get to the second round. Mm. 
but man, uh, I don't, I don't feel great yet because part of the reason is we just, I want to see more of them healthy before I really get a sense of like, just, you know, how, how it woven they are, because here's the thing I, I'd say it's, if they got the second round, they, they should get to there. I'll, I'll say that for sure. And then I think it's like 50, 50, they could get past that to the, uh, to the conference finals. I think it's, it's iffy. So, you know, I, I'm not thinking NBA finals at all with this team for some reason, just, you know, and again, if, but if they were healthy and all, everything was working well, you know, in the bubble, again, we're still trying to wrap our head around the bubble and what really was that what does that mean and and it, does that translate to now having full you know arenas and all that things because that, that's a thing right mm-hmm. having the people in the stands uh does affect the way certain players play a lot more than others so yeah i don't know i just feel like there's too much up and down too much flux for me to feel any more confident than saying uh, they get the second round easy and a lot of it when they get to the second round maybe matchup dependent as we know 50 well, 50 Coach shot Nick, at the bucks and nets got we, it we we appreciate you joining us you can follow him at B-Ball Breakdown, thanks to Brady, thanks to Alex, thanks to our sponsors, Eric Rubenstein, and of course, at Manscaped and Therapist Preferred, use the code 5RSN. Also wanted to mention, before we go, we have a watch party tomorrow night at the Quarter Deck in Davie, and we're going to be giving away prizes, cash prizes, literally through our the app that we use, ASX, which is kind of a stock app you can use during the game. If you're in attendance, you have a better chance to win more money. That's that's all I'm going to say. We're going to be giving prizes both ways. We had a better chance to win more money. Nick, we appreciate it. You're always on the money. We are not accustomed to people coming on and saying, I don't know. That's just <laughs> that, that's why we like you so much. Thanks for doing it. Uh, and, uh, and thanks for going through the rest of that tape with us. You got it. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network.